Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Aligned and Well podcast. I'm nurse coach Sean, your host. Today, I have an awesome conversation for you guys. I am interviewing Alyssa Converse with Converse Counseling. Alyssa is a clinical mental health therapist who works primarily with young adults who are experiencing trauma, faith deconstruction, life transitions, stress or anxiety, and self-esteem issues. She uses a variety of trauma-informed and holistic approaches to help people heal their mind-body system. So we're going to be delving into some really interesting topics here, reparenting, healing trauma, inner child work, all kinds of great stuff. So I really hope you guys get a lot out of it. And here we go. Hey, friends, I'm nurse coach Sean, and this is my podcast. In this podcast, I will be sharing with you how to create a well and balanced life that connects with who you truly are, whether it be a meditation or mindfulness practice, an insightful interview, or just sharing my own journey and expertise on different life and wellness topics. Hopefully, if you're listening, you will walk away feeling more aligned in your purpose. This is your permission to cultivate radical self-love. This is your encouragement to create a more fulfilling and vibrant life for yourself. This is your invitation to lean into your curiosity and intuition. Together, let's build a compassionate space through which to heal. Welcome to the Aligned and Well podcast. Hi, Alyssa. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. Hi, Sean. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Can you, before we get into it, because we have a lot of really awesome topics that we're going to be diving into today. So before we dive in, can can you give us just kind of a short background of who you are, what you do, um, who you help? Yeah. So I'm a clinical mental health therapist in Washington State. Um, I offer telehealth telehealth therapy for young adults, mainly like Gen Z millennial age individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I offer treatment for a variety of issues, including the effects of trauma, um, family of origin issues, faith and religious deconstruction, um, and religious trauma, um, life Mm -hmm. transitions, anxiety, depression, all that good stuff. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, that is so interesting. Cause like I, you're, when I remember whenever I met you, you were the first, you were the first mental health counselor that I had ever met who specializes in like deconstruction and that kind of thing. And, um, just like the concept of religious trauma was so interesting to me whenever I had, you know, kind of found out about your specialty. And I want to know, like, we all have our own journey, right? That that leads us to step into our different roles as healers. And um, one of my favorite things to do is just explore that journey a little bit deeper. So what was it that inspired you to become a mental health counselor and specialize in this um, particular field? So kind of touching on the, the religious component, um, I grew up in a very conservative evangelical Christian household. Hmm. Um And so in that space, um, emotions oftentimes and showing up as my authentic self wasn't always encouraged Mm. or valued. Um, my my family really valued outward success and achievements more than anything else. Um, for a lot of that, that time period, um, over like inner growth and healing. Um, and so I, I kind of, as I got older, I, 
um, grew to understand that more. And as I was kind of making the transition into young adulthood, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, of course. Mm. And um, in that, um, I knew I wanted to do something impactful that would have a lasting impact on others. Um, And then, you know, being a therapist was the path I decided on. And in that I could be a space where other people could share their emotions and show up as their authentic self with me. And I could provide that safe space for others in a way that I didn't necessarily get when I was growing up. So it definitely met um, a need and it was a healing thing for me to just even become a therapist. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is so beautiful. I, it's also so, so needed, right? Because I think that the, I got, I don't know the way that the world is right now. Like it's so important to have those safe spaces. And, um, we live in a, in a world where I think like, you know, people who are kind of going through their own deconstruction and their own traumatizing events that have been happening to them since they were kids, right? Since you're young, um, it can be really hard to feel safe whenever you're starting to explore alternative beliefs, right? And I guess one of the things that I was wondering is, you know, based on the work that you do specifically with this um, population, where do you feel like the biggest gaps are when it comes to mental health? So I think the importance of trauma-informed care Mm-hmm. Um, and not all therapists practice trauma-informed care. Um, and so I think people have this idea of trauma, like it's like a capital T uh, yeah. thing, capital T trauma, like incidents that are objectively very traumatic, like a car accident or yeah. um, a natural disaster or like a loved one passing away. But um, trauma is can be really subjective. So like anything mm-hmm. that causes a, re- a reaction in our bodies um, where we get into that fight or flight state, um, Mm. can be experienced as trauma. So like what might be traumatic to me might not be traumatic to another person. Um, kind of relating to the religious trauma thing, like me growing up in an environment where, um, I, I, my body registered that, that, um, religious component as traumatic, but someone else might have had that same experience that I did. And they might not register that as trauma. It's really just what's happening in our bodies and how we respond to those things. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, coming from a religious background myself and kind of going through my own deconstruction, I, I definitely feel like there's, there's more room to improve the, the safety of, people who are going through that. And um, one of the things that I really like to incorporate in my own practice is just allowing people to process whatever traumatic experience they've had and not assign any judgment to it. Because I think, you know, there are so many, there's so much, I mean, even in my own personal life, like I can think of so many people in my life that have had traumatic experiences and I'm finding myself comparing like whatever I experienced wasn't nearly as traumatic as them. So I have no right to feel what I feel. Um, Do you experience that with the clients that you work with too? All the time. I hear that a lot. Like people saying, you know, what I went through wasn't trauma because it wasn't like, you know, people are dying around the world. Like nothing like that is like I had 
good parents when I was a kid, nothing bad ever happened to me, but that doesn't mean that you didn't necessarily experience trauma. I mean, it can be something very relatively small. Someone else might view it that way, but like, yeah, things can really impact us. And then, you know, Mm. and that's how depression and anxiety happens too, is when we're chronically living in those states of um, fight or flight or freeze. Um, Yeah. So what are some of the common issues that you see with clients who have experienced trauma and, and how are you seeing that manifest in, in different areas of their life? So I often see it, um, kind of as like a disconnect between the mind and the body Mm. and the spirit, um, Mm. like a disconnect from the real self. Yeah. So, um, that can look like, you know, like old defense mechanisms and coping strategies, um, being present because that's what protects us, Mm. um, protects clients and helps them survive through difficult circumstances. Um, however, those things, you know, even when the trauma is over, they might still be present, which really prevents people from moving forward and from living into who they really are, are meant to be. Um, and keeps them stuck in patterns that often cause a lot of pain too. Mm. So overall just, yeah, like a disconnect between like, um, you know, not being aware of their bodies too, just very like much in their heads, experiencing life in their heads, but then ignoring the body, which yeah. is often how we survive is by ignoring the signals that our body is sending us. Yeah. Yeah. I like how you said that. I mean, it's just, it's a survival mechanism. It's a protective mechanism. And, um, you know, I've, I've done a couple of other interviews with people where they, we, t- we talk a lot about like being really in tune with our bodies and how, um, how our bodies really tell us what's going on underneath. Mm-hmm. And when we ignore that, that's kind of when we go into the cycle of like really uh, toxic habits and bad traits and not um, taking care of ourselves. Um, and so how do you feel like whenever somebody is ignoring the possible trauma that they may have experienced, um, if if they come from like a religious background, uh, how does that, how does that affect them? Like what, what can possibly, what are the risks of somebody not addressing that as trauma? with that, like, you can't always tell someone that what they experienced was traumatic. Like sometimes it takes like listening, just listening to their story of like, what, what happened to you. And maybe they don't, they don't view it as that. Um, Mm -hmm. but over time, just providing that space and letting them come to that conclusion on their own can be very powerful as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like in the long run, how that can show up, um, is oftentimes like in symptoms, like mental health symptoms, whether it's like Mm. related to anxiety, depression, PTSD, Mm -hmm. um, even like bipolar disorder. Um, because when we don't listen to our bodies, those things continue to come up. And really, like you said before, our emotions and the symptoms, they're messengers. Like our bodies are trying to communicate with us. So I think the longer that we just, we, we ignore that and just stuff it down, um, you know, those things come out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever I think about like maybe the clients who would come see you, obviously like all of these things can be really connected, right? Like the stuff that you specialize in deconstruction, stress, anxiety, self-esteem issues, depression, all of that life transitions, like there's a common theme, right? Like 
some there there's pain on some level mm-hmm. and I want to know like do you have a do you have a typical process for helping someone heal through what they're going through or are there like specific types of therapeutic approaches that you um, typically gravitate towards to help people yeah I think my process is definitely different depending on what people are showing up with. It's going to look different for every person. Um, But there are a few strategies that I use with almost everyone because I found them to be very helpful. Mm. Um, And for myself included, I don't do anything on anyone that I haven't done myself. I think doing my own work has been a really big part of that process. Um, But like lifespan integration is one that, um, I have found to be really, really powerful and also, um, inner child work and reparenting, um, which Mm. lifespan integration uses some of those things as well. Um, so I can talk a little bit more about what that looks like. Absolutely. Yeah. I, what even is that? Cause I know, I I know we've (laughs) talked about it before, but Mm -hmm. for some of the listeners who may not have ever heard that term, what exactly is lifespan integration and what's that kind what's that process look like? Yes. So lifespan integration is a body-based therapeutic modality, Mm -hmm. um, which in general, there's a lot of different kinds of um, therapeutic approaches. So not every therapist uses the same kind of approach. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one thing. If if anyone listening out there is looking for a therapist, be aware that not everyone does the same thing. Um, So lifespan is a body-based therapy, which means um, we're not really focusing on the cognitive aspects as much as listening to the body and what's coming up in the body. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what that looks like um, is coming up often with a timeline of the client's life and starting there. And it it looks like kind of going through the repetitions of the timeline multiple times. So basically memory is stored in the body as well as the brain. Mm -hmm. Um, And so during this kind of therapy, memories are accessed using this timeline Um, and the neural networks that contain these memories are connected to the client's present experience and integrated into Mm. it by repeating the timeline. Um, And so through this, it's using the amazing plasticity of our brains and their ability to be changed and rearranged um, to create changes in our current response to life. Um, So like I said earlier, um, a lot of therapists use like cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. Is a really popular one. Um, And so that's focused on like analyzing and like puzzling through an issue in order to come to an understanding of what happened and maybe create a strategy for change. Um, But with lifespan integration, it's different because we're using the body to listen to what happened and the dots get connected more quickly, Mm -hmm. um, which helps to also get unstuck and then change behavior patterns from the past that might not be um, helpful now and might keep the client kind of stuck in the past. Mm. So it kind of helps them bring their body into the present moment and um, make sense of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of questions came up for me as you were describing that process. So with lifespan integration, you're going through a timeline of the client's like past or their, their, their entire life really. And Mm -hmm. Do you kind of identify like if they feel a certain sensation in your body in their body or um and, right. and kind of go from there? Yeah. So while we're moving through the timelines, we're helping the client to ground into Ooh, their yeah. body. 
So often that looks like I have them get like a, an essential oil and smell that while we're going through, or um, we'll have them squeeze like a, a stuffed animal or a blanket or something, just th- something that has texture to help them connect to their body while we're going through. Because okay. oftentimes going, going through a client's life in a short period of time is very activating. Yeah. Um, it can be very dysregulating and bring up a lot of really difficult emotions. Mm-hmm. So we're listening to what's coming up for the client as we're going through the repetitions and we're taking lots of breaks to talk through what's coming up and to really, um, my job is to like monitor and help move the client through so that they don't also stay stuck in something while we're going. Yeah. Do you kind of have a way that you identify like what repetitions to do? Like, do you have, um, like an assessment tool that you use to, go off of whenever you're going through the lifespan integration process with them? Yeah. So we'll start kind of with the, um, the most basic timeline, which is just the whole lifespan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's other things that you can do with it um, going off of just the, the lifespan piece. So like if there's a particular um, incident or time period of the client's life that was really traumatic. Like let's say there was a car accident that happened or someone's loved one passed away, then we can actually target those specific incidents too, to kind of work through them and to process them at a body level. Um, and even going back into childhood, that's, I kind of spoke earlier to how it relates to the inner child work. Um, but we can actually go back into, um, really harmful or difficult situations that happened when we were children and, bring our actual present adult self into that memory and kind of help to um, comfort and love our inner child through that, which can be really, really healing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I remember you mentioning inner child work earlier and I kind of wanted to transition into talking about that because I've done a little bit of inner child work with some of my clients, but I, I definitely don't like say that I specialize in it or anything like that. I've just done a little bit of that myself. And so yeah. with inner child work and like the the reparenting, I, I do want to kind of ask you to describe a little bit about like what inner child work actually is and what reparenting is, because there are some people who hear that and they're like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it doesn't really connect or resonate because it's, it's a new term for them. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, it's definitely an abstract thing too. Like when I first heard of it, I'm like, how can we heal our inner child? Because we're not children anymore. Like how do I even have an inner child? Like I'm an adult. Does that make sense? That's exactly (laughs) how I felt too. (laughs) Yeah. It's very abstract. So kind of like painting a picture of what that looks like, um, in therapy, um, So sometimes what happens when um, we go through difficult situations is it triggers our inner child. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe if, you know, we didn't get a a certain need met when we were uh, a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we get older, that, that um, time period that was really triggering for us doesn't just go away. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the inner child is a part of us that is, um, very oftentimes free and loving and creative. And that's the part of us that's part of us that's sparked when we're in that um, really like that flow zone of whether it's professionally or 
um, when we really connect with a, with a friend or a family member or partner and we feel alive, like that's oftentimes our inner child coming out when we feel free and yeah. we can be spontaneous and creative, all those things. Um, but also ta- uh, sometimes our inner child can be burdened with those mm-hmm. things. Like I said before, when a certain need wasn't met or in my case, like not being able to have been really truly authentically seen mm. um, as a kid. And so on, um, in therapy, we can work to unburden that inner child, um, go back, like I said, into those memories where the, the, the inner child was burdened and mm-hmm. come in with our present self and say, I love you. I see you. Um, I, I can carry this for you, uh, which can just be so relieving because oftentimes we feel like we have to carry all these things and we, um, you know, we don't know what to do with what life throws at us. And oftentimes that's because our inner child is just, you know, coming in and and is feeling really scared or, mm-hmm. um, angry or whatever the emotion is. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I get like teary eyed talking about inner child stuff mm-hmm. because, um, you know, that is so true. Like whenever we're, children, we don't have the capacity to carry all of these really heavy things. That's when we feel really um, creative and we want to explore and we want to, you know, just run with all of these really cool inspirational ideas and the the weight of real world problems doesn't really weigh on us when we're a child. And so uh, I really love that the the nurturing aspect of inner child work. And like you said, it can be really abstract and it can feel Mm -hmm. so strange to say like in your mind you can as an adult in your present state access your inner child and comfort them and that was a concept to me that just didn't seem really it didn't seem like it would be helpful until I tried it so yeah definitely um, it's so powerful and so with inner child work we're talking about that what is reparenting? So what reparenting can look like is, um, you know, like, like you alluded to earlier, like developmentally children don't have the, um, tools and skills and resources to be able to, um, process and hold difficult things that, that don't make sense to children. right? Right. And so us in our adult self, like we do have those things. Oftentimes we do have the emotional capacity and the resources to, um, you know, handle and and cope with what life is, um, presenting to us. Or even if it's like a traumatic thing, oftentimes we do have that capacity to move through it and to, um, yeah, work through what happens. And so, um, it can look like just even doing affirmations, Mm -hmm like even just doing, even like meditatively, like closing Mm -hmm. your eyes and imagining what your child self looked like. And Mm. even just imagining like wrapping them up in a hug and, and like, just, you know, saying things like what happened to you was so hard. And I'm sorry that you didn't um, understand what happened and that you didn't um, get your needs met at that time, but I can carry this with you. And, um, and I see how hard that was for you. Or even when, um, when our, we feel our inner child coming out um, in a present cir- circumstance, that's really hard. We can say like, hey, this is hard right now, but yeah. I'm here with you in this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think with reparenting for me, and it's like, whenever I heard the term reparenting, I always felt a little bit guilty because, you know, for someone, for some people, like, you know, we have, we had great parents. I, for one, had wonderful parents who raised me really well, but then there were all, you know, as an adult, you, you kind of go through some things and things can come up that you wish would have been different, even though it was no intent for your parents to, to make you feel any kind of way, but that's just how you felt as a child and you weren't able to process it until you were older. So with reparenting, you know, it, it took a lot for for myself to not feel guilty in saying that like I'm reparenting myself. Do you ever find that with your clients too? Yeah. I think there is some hesitation towards that because a lot of people love their parents. And like you said, they didn't, um, you know, have ill intent or they did the best they could with whatever was happening at the time. Um, and that's not to take away from that. I think reparenting is more just, um, loving yourself in a lot of ways too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, giving your inner child love in a way that very much your parents did as well, but also providing that for yourself. So it's almost like a self-compassion thing at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And a absolutely. self-love thing. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And, and just being able to be like self-sufficient because, you know, whenever we're children, we rely so heavily on our parents and our, uh, you know, adult figures in our life to love us. And the whole concept of self-love is just kind of like, not, it's, it doesn't really click, you know? Um, And there are ways that, that we get rewarded and praised by these um, adult figures, by these role model figures. And then, that is internalized as we grow older. And then whenever we develop all these new skills, these social skills, these um, coping skills, it I feel like it's such a beautiful thing to be able to give that gift of your own personal growth to that younger version of yourself. So definitely. I love that. I love how you worded that almost like the the external validation then can become like internal as yeah. we get older. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just it. I'm just like viewing it as this beautiful cycle of life where, you know, you, you spend so much of it trying to receive validation and love for others. And you can grow into this person where you can now give that back to yourself. And okay. So we talked about a lot of different things, you know, religious deconstruction, (laughs) lifespan integration, memory consolidate. Oh, we didn't talk about memory reconsolidation. So how is that kind of integrated in, in the therapeutic approaches that you use? Yeah. So it kind of, it relates, um, especially to the inner child work that I mentioned in like going back into the, the memory from childhood with the present self Mm. and, um, essentially you can even imaginatively change what happened. So even Mm. imagining like, like let's say something happened to you where um, uh, an adult or, or a friend, like let's say a friend was um, said something really rude to you as a child and it really like traumatized you, or it was really difficult for you at the time. You can even have your, your adult self step in and say something to that friend imaginatively and, and re yeah. recreate 
and reimagine what happened in a way that feels really freeing for the inner child. Um, And of course it's not real, but studies have shown memory reconsolidation can be a really um, powerful way to, to heal and, and gain or access inner resources Um, even though it's, it's not, of course, we're not going back in time and changing what happened, um, but just even imaginatively, um, imaginatively feeling empowered to, to change what happened can be, um, really healing and powerful for, for clients and for myself too. I've really felt, um, the effects of having done this work and it's life changing. Oh, Wow. I like how you use the word empowered because a lot of this, even though, you know, the memory consolidation, the reparenting even is not like real tangible things that are happening. It's all kind of within our own um, inner world. It is also really empowering to know that our brains have the capacity to change the way that we perceive things that have happened to us. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Yeah. That's some powerful stuff. I, um, again, like I've, I've done some of this work myself and it really is so powerful. And, um, you know, I, you mentioned earlier that you had done a lot of this work yourself and it, it really is so important for us as healers to be able to do that because we can't really serve people, um, to a depth that we haven't gone and, and everybody yeah. has experienced trauma in some way, I feel like. I also really like the 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 aspect of the body and mind connection that you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. and how um you know because I've I've been kind of doing some more research on on trauma and and trying to integrate more trauma informed care into my own practice and it is just an interesting concept that like trauma can be stored in our bodies and in a way like there's it needs a release it needs to be released otherwise it contributes to illness and mental illness Mm -hmm. and physical illness and all of this so i'm I'm just sensing a common theme (laughs) with all of a lot of my interview guests is that Mm -hmm. the mind and the body are so connected so for people who are not who don't get the chance to work with you for you know anyone out there listening to this episode, what would be your top three tips for those who are kind of struggling with the mental health challenges that, that come up with experiencing trauma? I think um, the first one, and this one is harder than it sounds, is just slowing down, Mm. breathing, breathing sometimes, and just connecting to the present moment, Mm -hmm. which can be a really, really, even though it sounds like very simple, it's a very powerful way to start to integrate that mind body system. Yeah. Because when we're triggered, we are oftentimes not in the present. We are Mm. either in the past or we're thinking about the future. Like our anxiety, our anxiety likes to live in the future and our depression oftentimes like likes to live in the past. So it's really hard to stay present in that. And so just whatever you can do to, to just focus on what's happening in here and now Mm -hmm. that is huge. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. <laughs> and I resonate a lot with what you said, you know, as as someone who has experienced both, like anxiety is a lot of times we're not thinking about what's happening right now, but what could happen, mm-hmm. what could go right. wrong, what 
what terrible disaster could come yeah. from a decision <laughs> that we're trying to make, you know? Um, yeah. Okay. So grounding yeah. and, and being present in the moment. Yeah. Um, and then another one I think is, um, we, we talked about this a little bit, but having compassion for yourself mm. and yeah. even when, you know, cause healing is not linear, right? Yes. Like sometimes we like, we go and we sidetrack over here a little bit off the path. And then we go over here for a little while and we're not always staying on the path maybe that we'd want to be on, or maybe we backtrack, we go back a few steps or what feels like going back a few steps. Mm -hmm. Um, but it all, it's a part of the process and just having compassion for yourself when, um, you know, triggers do come up, even though you think you've maybe worked through something, but then it comes up again. Like that's just a part of it, you know? And I think just having an understanding of that. Yeah. Like healing is not a race. Like there's no finish line. There's no, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, can speak for myself and I've seen some of my other clients kind of experience this as well, but um, that feeling of impatience, like I thought I was through mm-hmm. this already. I thought that I had kind of dealt with this. Why am I still anxious and why am I still yeah. feeling this way where, you know, that's kind of just how life is. Anything can trigger us at any moment. And mm-hmm. yeah, I love that. Just practicing compassion for yourself and just, Acknowledging that that's part of the human experience is yeah. not going to be some finish line where you're like, I'm fully healed. I'm done. Like all my trauma is yep. gone. And- <laughs> I wish it was that easy. That would be nice. That would be nice. It would be just a more direct, <laughs> like, yeah, direct approach. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, self-compassion so important. I love it. Yes. And then the last one I would say is um, don't isolate. Mm-hmm. So even like, finding someone to be present with your story or what you're going through, um, whether that's like a therapist, a life coach, a, yeah. a another like health professional, or even someone that you trust mm-hmm. um, to be there. And just, cause it's really easy, I think too, to just isolate when we're feeling um, triggered or, you know, upset or when we're going, when we're feeling pain, mm-hmm. um, it can be easier to, to isolate, but in the long run, I think that harms mm-hmm. us. So yeah. just find finding someone to be in your corner. Yeah. It it is very isolating to ex- to be experiencing any kind of mental health struggle, right? And Yeah. Especially for and I I also want to see if if you have a lot of experience with clients where they're not so much So for me, for example, I have you know, I I've had a great life, you know, like my parents were very loving to me. I've had a really close knit family. I'm, you know, married happily. And it's, it's sometimes feels so it it feels really strange to me whenever I do struggle mentally. I'm in my head, I'm thinking, why am I feeling this way? I have such an amazing life. I've lived such an amazing life. So It can feel isolating in that way and make me not want to talk about it with anybody because I don't feel like I have a right to. So can you speak a little bit to how you help individuals like that move through the isolation piece? Yeah, I think holding privilege is oftentimes a, um, like you said, it it keeps people from wanting to get help um, Mm -hmm. or reach out. Um, and it can, and sometimes that shame will step into like, we feel like 
comparing ourselves to others or comparing our story to others, we, we feel like we have things, um, pretty good, but you know, it, it, um, I have worked with some people who oftentimes, not everyone, most people are coming to therapy because they know they want to work on something. Um, but sometimes too, like things will come up in therapy that they weren't necessarily expecting, like in working on one thing, another things, another thing comes up. Um, Mm -hmm. and for some people, um, there is some resistance to that. I think for some of the reasons that you touched on, Mm -hmm. um, but I think just on my end, like going back to what I said in the beginning about just providing a safe space and, um, just being curious about, about someone's experience being like, what was that like for you? Mm -hmm. Um, like how did that affect you? What were you feeling at that time when that happened, um, can kind of help people to open up and really explore and begin to think about, Oh, how did that affect me? Because oftentimes we just move through things without really even thinking about, Whoa, like that was like a really big deal. And I didn't even like stop to, um, really feel how that felt in my body or, um, explore that. Yeah. I love how you said curiosity because curiosity is actually something that we can all tap into ourselves too. And, Mm -hmm. um, even without going to therapy, if there is something that maybe triggers you or, um, makes you feel a certain type of way, even, even though, you may feel like, like you have everything pretty great. Yeah. Getting curious about why that's coming up. Like, why is this coming up for me? Why, um, why do I feel this way? And why does it feel so isolating? So even like using that curiosity within ourselves can be so powerful. Yes, I agree. I love that. Mm. Can you tell me about your favorite experience with a client where you truly felt like you really helped them and helped them heal? It's hard because I've worked with a lot of people and it's, it's a lot, a lot of people, um, stick out in my mind. So I don't know if I have necessarily a favorite. Yeah. Um, but I think the process of being with someone for a while, like, like being in someone's life, not just for like a few months, but seeing someone for an extended period of time, like some folks I've worked with for like a year Mm -hmm. and like really being with them during a really hard part of their life and seeing the arc of like, when they come in, they're really in a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. Um, and then through doing some of the things I've talked about, like lifespan integration, integration, or, um, whatever work we end up doing, um, and seeing like the process of it. And even though it's really hard and it's hard for, for me to be present with sometimes too, especially when we're working through really heartbreaking things. Um, but then seeing them come out the other side and feel more empowered or feel like they're more, um, alive in their body or feel more connected to the things that make them, um, happy or, um, they feel passionate about and seeing these really amazing qualities come out in them more and more as we begin to like unravel through some of these things, a really rewarding part of this work. Yeah. Oh yeah. I bet it, it, it does sound so rewarding to just see a complete transformation no matter how long it takes. And, and know that, you know, you were part of, of that healing process. Um, something that you had said made me want to ask, sometimes the work that we do can be really heavy. And as a mental health therapist, how do you keep yourself grounded and not internalize the traumatic experiences that your clients bring to you? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. It's really hard. It's something I'm still figuring out. <laughs> yeah. Um, to be honest, uh, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a process. Um, but I found a few things. Um, I kind of just, at the end of the day, I have to kind of like switch off my brain and just kind of like compartmentalize the work. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that looks like just like an internal ritual of like, okay, I'm putting this in a box and I'm putting that box like on my desk or under my bed and I'm not going to take it out until the next day. Just like doing little things like that or, um, really like moving my body, like doing Mm. self-care things like that have been really important too. just like moving the energy through, because I do carry some of that energy with me from my clients. Um, that's like, I think an unavoidable part of the work. Um, Mm -hmm. so doing what I can just to like move that energy through, but it's definitely something I'm still, still practicing and still working on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's always going to be this constant evolution of figuring out what works and what doesn't too. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Because as, as you, you and your practice changes, the clients that come to you will change. And yeah, yeah, I just think that that's something that really stood out to me as you were talking about, um, you know, your favorite experiences with clients is how, how do we, how do we detach and how do we take care of ourselves too? Cause I think that's also a really important aspect is making sure that the healers are supported so that they can help Mm -hmm. be exactly be the most powerful healers that they can. So anytime I talk to mental health counselors, it is, it always ends up being like a super, super deep conversation. And, um, it can, it can also get really emotional because you guys do carry a lot, right? And I like to ask all of my guests before we kind of wrap up, since this is the Aligned and Well podcast, I would love to know what it means for you uh, as a mental health therapist and as just a human being, what it means to be aligned and well. Yeah, I think... Um... I think my answer to that relates to, again, a lot of the things that we talked about today. Um, I think it means listening to my body, Mm -hmm. um, being present with whatever's happening inside, Mm -hmm. um, even when it's really hard. Mm -hmm. So like loving myself through that and having compassion for myself. Yeah. And however that looks and showing up for myself. And, and trying to, yeah, just stay in that present zone as much as I can in, mm-hmm. in order to um, align my mind, body, spirit. Yeah. And feeling like I'm in a good place with that. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, as much as I feel like we could just go on and on, <laughs> I am going to wrap up. But before we let you go, where can people find you? Where can people get in touch with you? So my website would probably be the the main place. That'll be conversecounseling.com. You can find me on psychology today or therapy den as well. I have profiles on there. Um, I'm on technically on Instagram, but I'm not very active with that. So you can look me up on there if you want, but like in terms of like, if you want to like read more about my approaches and who I am, those, the website would be the best option probably. Perfect. Awesome. Well, I'll put all those links in the show notes for anyone who wants to find you. Alyssa, thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast. This is such a great conversation. I feel like people are going to take away a lot from it. Thank you so much for having me. This was really great. And I appreciate you taking the time and yeah, talking together. 
Wow. I loved that conversation with Alyssa. We delved into some pretty deep topics and I hope that you guys got some value out of that conversation. Um, if you would like to connect with Alyssa, um, I've put all of her info in the show notes so that you can connect with her and follow her on social. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. It's been one of my favorite interviews so far. And uh, for those of you who would like to connect with me, I do have a free community on Facebook. Come hang out with us. Um, we are focused on cultivating self-love, holistic wellness support, and creating a life that is aligned with your heart. So come join us and um, and we'd love to have you. For those of you who are looking to up your self-care game, I am launching a group coaching program called Self-Care Renewal at the beginning of June, and I am currently taking enrollments. If you are someone who has been struggling to take time for yourself and you're ready to make 2022 the year that you finally put your own happiness first, where you can practice self-care without guilt, this is the program um, that is perfect for you. You can find all of the links to my Facebook group and how to connect with me and enroll in the program in the show notes. I would love to hear your feedback. If you are listening on a podcast platform where you can leave a review, please do so. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, if this episode resonated with you at all, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast and take a screenshot of the episode. Make sure to share it on social media and tag me at Nurse Coach Sean. Thanks so much, guys. And as always, I'm here to serve and support you in the most powerful way I can. It is my mission and my purpose as a nurse coach to be an advocate for self-love and compassion so that I can help you leverage your own inner power and healing potential in the pursuit of a well and aligned life. I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Have a wonderful week. I'm nurse coach Sean. And remember, when all is aligned, all is well. Love you guys. Thank you.